0: Today we're talking about something very spiritual and mysterious going on beyond and beneath the atom. Even Einstein was very personally changed when he realized that underneath the atom, all of the classical laws of physics start to get distorted and changed. Because a law of gravity is not something you can uh, negotiate. In this realm, if you drop something, it's just going to be pulled down by gravity. What Einstein, Niels Bohr, uh, Heisenberg, John Wheeler found out is that all those laws start to break down beyond the atom. And the law that really spooked Einstein out, because, you know, his first saying was that you can't play dice with God, meaning there is nature, there are the laws of nature, and you don't play dice with that, or God doesn't play dice, there are laws and they're non-negotiable. And then as he started to see the subatomic world, he, he was actually quite unsettled because he realized that there is something beyond the atom that only responds to human consciousness. And what he started to realize is that you folks get to co-create your reality. And why is that? Because there's a high vibrational field at the subatomic level that's intelligent, and it responds to your recurring thoughts. This to Einstein was very unsettling. Why? Because then suddenly, We had no laws of nature. In other words, if one of you never has money in his pocket, it's because your recurring question for 45 years is, why am I poor? And that force simply mirrors you. When I went to Fairfield, Iowa, the first thing that grabbed my attention as an educated man, I started seeing very strong parallels between quantum physics And the ancient Vedas. I studied New Age for a year and then I started to dive into really, really thick stuff, including Course in Miracles. I went for the thickest stuff. The poet Rumi, uh, Christ, Uh, I went for the thick stuff to see what they're saying. And then very close parallels between physics, modern science, and the scriptures. For example, the scientists call the string theorists and the M theorists, they're saying that space is not empty, that there are strings of energy in space, and that that string of energy is not dumb, it's not like electricity, it's smart electricity. Take that theory, string theory, exact same thing is in an ancient book called the Spanda All this is available through Amazon. Spanda karika with two K's. Spanda karika says akasha, space is not empty. Space is throbbing. And that throb is called spanda. And spanda is kind of defined as the heartbeat of God or the heartbeat of the universe. In other words, the planet Earth is throbbing at 7.8 cycles per second. The planet Earth throbs. Obviously, we can't see it because we're in the trees right now. But one of these days, we're going to have the sensors to see that the Earth is doing um, um, um. That's what I saw in Samadhi. All I saw in Samadhi was a throb. But the throb is intelligent. And the throb is pure, pure love. You know, love is not a mood. You know, we can't say, because I was heartbroken through a divorce six years ago, uh, I cannot love anymore. Love is an instinct. Just the way you need drinking water, you need love. Love is not a mood. So you cannot be out of the mood to love. It's part of your human instinct. And love is actually the component of spanda. In other words, what throbs in the universe, when it expands outward, it emanates love. So, love is the component of the heartbeat of the creator. I'm not being emotional about this. I'm being, I'm trying to be scientifically logical about it. Love is a force, it's not a mood. Let's come back to the talk. What Wheeler, Niels Bohr, Einstein, Heisenberg found is that you are living in a participatory universe. Meaning, let's say you're living in Dayton, Ohio, and you feel like you're being impacted by the traffic, by the people of Dayton, um, the people in your law firm, that all of these people are impacting your lives. Then John Wheeler of Princeton said no such thing. He said, every single one of you is playing solitaire. In other words, you have a theoretical mouse under your fingers and you're clicking away with your own belief system. And so, yes, you are living in Dayton, but Dayton doesn't exist in the subatomic world. Iran and Dayton are the same to that force. There are no flags. There are no boundaries. (laughs) It's like the wind. The wind can go from Dayton to Australia. So there's no flags because we're dealing at the level of the atom. And what do we mean by participatory world? I'll give you a real scientific example. There is something called an electron uh, microscope with an electron microscope, you can see the phenomena of an electron. An electron has two qualities which makes it really spooky. You know, a scientist will say to you, something is either in existence as a unit, as a visible unit, or it doesn't exist. The electron does this to the scientist. The electron says, if you're watching me, I will appear as a unit. If you stop observing me, I will melt back into a waveform. So you know this really started to get to the quantum physicists. Like, do you exist or not? And the electron says, it depends if a human wants to observe me. Hearing what I, what I just told you, you can now take this statement and make it larger, you say, Kambiz, if a component of the atom only appears Mm -hmm. if Tony is watching it and the atom is in charge of making up the whole world, then, then we're living in a very spooky place because the atom is what creates your life, your body, your circumstances, your automobile, everything. And then within the atom, we have something that says, I will appear in the way that you want me to appear. You see that that experiment with the electron? A component within the atom says, I will only appear if Lana wants to see me. What does that tell the scientists? It says that the building block of life responds to your observation. There is no reality until one of you wants to observe a particular reality. You know, the joy of life psychological component. Why do I go through that model of an event occurs? You form a perception of what happened. You form a core belief about what happened. Your beliefs affect your behaviors. Your behaviors create predictable results, and then you have the proverbial, I told you so, or self-fulfilling prophecy. Why, why do I make one-third of the joy of life teaching the self-fulfilling prophecy? Because it's related to quantum physics. In other words, each one of us in this room has a self-fulfilling prophecy, and we don't know it. We're like the spider who creates his own mansion with his own saliva. He lives in his own saliva, thinking that this is home. But you created it. And every one of us in this room has continuous, invisible assumptions. You have assumptions about how you look. You have assumptions about how much money you're destined to have. You have assumptions about where you're going to live. My life uh, completely turned... And continues to turn. The day I resigned from that bank in Wall Street and went to Fairfield and got into this science. My life does complete turns all the time. It kind of flows. We're not trying to be chaotic. Uh, Something is carrying us. I'm going to tell you guys, as I'm not a humble person, so I'm going to tell you very bluntly. In these five days, something has entered you. Months from now, or years from now, you're going to realize that something very orderly and something very big has entered your life. I'm not talking about Kambis Nafisi. I'm talking about this science triggers a vibrational energy in your body, which is the same thing as the natural forces. You have now begun speaking that language. From now on, you're in charge of the repetitive questions that you ask. Why? Because the electron microscope says, if Tony's not watching, I, the electron, am not going to show up. In other words, Michael gets to influence the dance of the atom. Let's talk about that. Science says when you bombard an atom with electromagnetic fields, you change the shape of the atom. Guess what? According to the EEG and according to the EKG, your brain and your heart emanate large forces of electromagnetic energy. However, the electricity coming out of the heart is 5,000 times stronger. The electricity comes, in other words, the physical organ, the heart, broadcasts, waves that are 5,000 times stronger than the waves of the brain. How do I translate that? When you pray with your heart, when you want something with your heart, that thought wave has 5,000 times more electricity than when you are cooking up a scheme with your mind. Electrically speaking, is what I'm saying. In other words, your heart wishes are more electrified, scientifically speaking, as measured by an EKG machine. According to the Vedas and quantum physics, everything in this world is made of thought. You live in a thought world. Our thoughts are impacting each other. There's also such a thing as universal thought. When your mind becomes quiet, And you slip into that silent gap between two thoughts. You then become universal mind. So we had a couple of friends last night who went into Turiya. They lost the entire session consciously. They came out and they said, we don't like this Turiya thing. And I asked why. He said, well, I should have been there to enjoy it. He said, he was very serious. He said, I just went into Turiya and I wasn't there to enjoy it. and samadhi is worse. Nobody can come out of samadhi and write a book about samadhi. Because you're not there. You become the pulse. So you can't come back and report it to the you know, Washington Post. Nobody's been able to accurately describe samadhi. I gave you some symptoms of what I went through. But it's nothing. It's really not a description. Now, let's come back to that gap between two thoughts. Every time your mind is quiet, every time you don't believe the meaning of thought, when you transcend the meaning of your thoughts, when you don't drown in your thoughts, you just watch the river of thought flowing, you're in a field called pure consciousness. Pure consciousness is the mind of nature. It is an intelligence without psychobabble. So like, people who love nature say, man, I know nature has intelligence. It speaks to me. There are people who whisper to horses. There are people who can smell rain eight hours before. There are many talented people who know that there's a language to this, okay? That's called pure consciousness. Pure consciousness you have access to every time your mind is momentarily quiet. In a moment of quietude, you kind of slip into the gap between two breaths or the gap between two thoughts. In those nanoseconds, you are in touch with universal mind. Any of you who have intuition, hunches, that kind of thing is coming from universal mind. If you're very, very sensitive to other people's energy fields, That's the universal mind. Yesterday, I asked you to please help yourself by having daily, constant dialogues with your soul. It's a lot of fun, and you'll see that it won't ruin your life. You're sitting in the car, start talking to your higher self. In very layman terms, like, I'm going to this meeting today. You sit next to me. What do you want me to do? It's much more than fun. It will totally get rid of your sense of, loneliness. Now, I do it all the time. I know it works. And you're the same as me. We're both humans. When you talk to a higher self guiding your life, you get incredibly wise answer. It'll never fail you. Because the minute you talk to your soul, you're relinquishing egoism. Ego has its own agenda. The soul just comes from Instant, present moment wisdom. Maharishi called it spontaneous right action. Maharishi would say, every time you slip into quietude, spontaneously in that moment, you would say the right thing, think the right thought, and do the right thing. I asked Satya Sai Baba, what does enlightenment feel like? He said, very easy. He said, you know what to say, who to say it to, when to say it. It's like, how beautiful. The guy gave me one short sentence that is eternal. Baba said, an enlightened person knows what to say, who to say it to, when to say it. Like Michael, Michael is raising two young girls, okay? And at particular ages, your children are changing personality, bodies changing, um, their thought system's changing. So you guys are gonna go through lots of ups and downs. How to handle a 15-year-old who's bucking, bucking the system. Spontaneous right action. Talk to your soul before you discipline your teenage daughter. Talk to the soul first. Or let the breath come into you as your breath conscious, through breath consciousness, talk to your patient. It's the kind of help I got when that gentleman's family had crashed with the airplane and I needed to do a session it was way beyond Kambi's, way beyond pure consciousness is perfectly organized it will never lead your life into chaos, all of you as of this point have access to pure consciousness because your kundalini is moving, kundalini is the moving force of pure consciousness there's perfect, although the world looks chaotic, it's not the actual subatomic uh, foundation of the world is organized. Let's talk about akasha and space. In the Vedas, they say that the cradle of God, the dimension in which the God-force lives, is space. Uh, space is not dead according to the Vedas, and it's not dead according to physics. Space vibrates with something. Now, how do you use, to your benefit, the statement I just made? It's like, Kambi says space is not dead and it's vibrating with something alive. How do I use it in my life? Very easy. When you're walking this campus, you walk this campus, once in a while, take your attention to the periphery around you and say, hi, are you with me? There's a very powerful exercise in the Shiva Sutras. It says, when you're walking on this grass, take your attention to the center of the sky and imagine that the vibration of Om is raining on you. Shiva Sutra says, the world has a belly button. It's called the uh, Maha, Maha Chakra. Uh, the world has one something like a black hole, according to Shiva Sutras, from that one hole, the sound of God, um, is raining down on all the planets. So Shiva Sutra says, once in a while when you're walking, when you're strolling, take your attention to the belly button of the sky, of the heavens, and visualize that Om is pouring down on you. I have some students practicing this, and they say the minute we take our attention to the center of the sky, oming, we go into supreme tranquility. Try it. Uh, lay your own version on it. So, in other words, I can't tell you how to visualize this. You're a free man, do it yourself. Visualize the voice of om, some sort of vibration which is the sound of this energy. Yoga says that this energy has a sound to it. And if you visualize that sound, the sound will calm you down. See, this is, this is audio, but it doesn't have to be audio. It can be at the center of your heart in quietude. Space is very powerful. Uh, If you ever stare off into space, your mind will immediately quiet down. Find a cloudless sky, look up into a cloudless sky, and imagine that you're a spaceship. And imagine every time you exhale, you're going deeper into the blue sky. If you do that exercise, your mind will immediately empty out. What I'm saying is if you stare into horizon or space, your mind will immediately empty out because space has a very powerful, mysterious effect. Space in a relationship is good. Space in the house is good. Space in your closet is good. Clean up some of your junk when you get back home. Is there a shoe that you've forgotten for a year and a half? There's a mouse living in it. You have too many shoes. (laughs) I found a shoe that I had forgotten for a year and a half. That's junk. It's a good shoe, but why should I forget one of my shoes for a year and a half? You know, people with children, after a while, they go into the basement. There's like eight years' worth of toys. Eight years. Because the way we do Christmas in in the U.S., you get the kid 34 toys, and then they have a mental breakdown. I've seen children cry at Toys R Us, because they go through one row. By the second row, they're getting overwhelmed. Let's talk about the act of creation. What is the act of creation like? Imagine this. There's a creative force in space that's vibrating at several million cycles per second. When that force wants to create solid matter, what it does is it intends It slows down the vibration. And as the vibration slows down, you go from holy light, to gas, to liquid, to solid. In other words, creation is the act of slowing down vibrations. Uh, Satya Sai Baba used to create necklaces, holy ash. He used to create objects. He had a sleeveless. Uh, Garment, so it wasn't coming out of his sleeve. He would do this and give you a ring. And I asked Baba, How do you create? He says, Same way as him. He said, I intend, I send my intention up there. My intention collides with the God force. The God force slows itself down and goes from light to gas to liquid to solid. That shouldn't surprise you. Andrew Carnegie had a work desk. In the work desk, when he died, they found a piece of paper that said, I intend to make lots of money in the first half of my life, give it all away in the second half. That's exactly what he did. In other words, all of you are bombarding space with your own assumptions. But the question is, which assumptions are you sending up to the heavens? Most of us are mismanaging the repetitive thoughts that we're throwing up. If today, if between now and the next 90 days, you started constantly, constantly reciting something constructive for 90 days, like you grabbed your mind and said, hey, I'm the boss. I'm going to choose my thoughts. For the next 90 days, I say health, wealth, happiness, anything you want. If you keep that up for 90 days, you see that your physical life on Earth your material life is beginning to change going back to the electron microscope that electron dances to your tune. it's the act of manifesting but you have to be at the job you have to show up you have to show up you can't do it through laziness you toss out your vibes and then you show up at your job the rest is none of your business Simple being and grace. Just show up, be yourself, talk to the soul, and broadcast the right waves. The rest in terms of, am I going to hit a recession or not? That's none of your business. Because you think your name is Shadi, It's not. You're made of something else. And you know, successful people are like that. They just like their field. They have some way of praying or whatever. Uh, they keep it nice loving family or a nice, loving group of friends, and then they just show up. They show up because they love what they do. The worry is none of their business. Those people are very successful. As a matter of fact, they start leading 100,000 other people because everybody else is worried. You're the only one who's just showing up with a smile. God breathes in, God acts out. And then you start having followers because you're the only one who's happy in Davenport. Davenport is their town. Uh, Is there anything faster than the speed of light? Yes, it's called consciousness. Speed of light is fast. Consciousness is faster. What do I mean? Two twins, twin sisters. One is living in Sydney, Australia. The other is living in La Jolla, California. The one in La Jolla goes to get her appendix taken out. The minute the knife of the surgeon hits her lower stomach, this sister in australia screams we have millions of accounts like this some of you have had hunches about calling your child or your mom this happens how many of you have at least had one hunch that turned out to be right in a spooky way yeah so that's universal mind actually you're probably having it very frequently but editing it you know because we're not we're not comfortable with that kind of communication. If you learn to trust it, it'll serve you well. The best way to get in touch with it is to merge with the breath. So faster than speed of light, what is that? Communication between two twin sisters. It's called consciousness. Uh, Some of the ladies here who've had babies, uh, the first week that your baby was born, maybe your bedroom was eight yards away from the baby, In those days, there were no telephones in the crib. There was no walkie-talkies. If your baby just shifted a little bit, you would wake up at 3 a.m. Mothers of newborn babies have ears that defy science. Am I right? So that's not the physical ear. Almost every mother says, when the baby would move, I would wake up. Without, without the screaming and the crying, I'm saying. It's instinct. It's the universal mind. What kind of a mind shakes the electron and the atom more the other kind? Let's talk about this. Emotionalized thoughts. Thoughts that you're emotional about tend to emanate outward from the heart region. Anything that radiates out of here has higher electricity. So. If there are things that you want to have in your life, see if you can get some emotion behind it. And you don't really have to try, actually, because the things that are important to you, you're probably passionate about anyways. You don't know that you're doing it, but you're, you're emotional about the things that you want. Not the ego ones. The ego ones are this kind of stubbornness of the ego. They're not necessarily emotional. If you have two cars and you want the third one, the third one is probably not emotional. It's just egoism or whatever is this extra in, in your life. Emotionalized thought, second one. How long have you been thinking about it? The longer you keep one thought, the more you magnetize that one thought. Bill Gates started thinking Microsoft at 15 and a half. So he has had a long time to magnetize Microsoft Corporation. Adolf Hitler, same thing. Joseph Stalin, same thing. The good or bad is irrelevant in quantum physics. Quantum physics doesn't just harbor and protect good forces. It understands energy. So Stalin was already thinking about the Kremlin while Lenin was still alive. I just saw an evening program about Lenin. Lenin hardly noticed Stalin. He was more threatened by Trotsky. Stalin was this quiet fellow robbing banks to the side. But Stalin was, was thinking about the Kremlin. What have you been thinking for a long time that is already in your life. Anybody want to tell me what you have been out picturing for years and years, and now you have it? Consciously or unconsciously? Could be good luck or bad luck? Peace. Peace? And you've been out picturing that for quite a while? Yes. Right? It seems to be the most valuable thing in life. What we're saying now in the talk is The kind of mind that uh, is magnetized and pulls the desired results faster is the kind of mind that has been thinking about one focus point for a long time. It's emotional about that goal. It's a quiet mind. In yoga, they say quiet minds are more magnetized. And therefore, it's a more focused mind. And finally, faith. Uh, Faith meaning that if the God force that comes into your lungs is invisible, then your five senses cannot detect that force. And therefore, you have to have faith that something, someone is looking out for you. Sending out this broadcast without faith is wishful thinking. The difference between a wish and creation is the faith component. So a lot of people don't currently have something in their pocket, but they know it's coming. And there's such certainty to it that it comes. Uh, About faith, I want to tell you something. I saw a program about the difference between Apple computer and Dell. And the speaker, this was a TED.com speaker. He said, the biggest people on earth are the ones who know why they are doing something instead of how they are doing something. And then he started talking. He said, do you know why on a rainy day, on a cold, miserable, rainy day, there's a one-mile line waiting line outside an Apple store because the Apple 7 has come out? He said, they are not lining up for the iPhone 7. He said they were lining up for Steve Jobs. And then he started to getting into this talk. He said, look, you go out to Best Buy and the computer seller will, salesman will tell you, this computer has 2 gigs of memory, 8 gigs of RAM. Uh, it's got 10 hours of battery life for $299.99. And then he said, Steve Jobs never ever came out to the audiences and said, I sell computers. He was saying that Steve Jobs would come out to you and say, I am innovation. Every employee of mine is at the leading edge of innovation. And the point was this. If you have a fire in your eyes, everybody's going to burn in the fire of your eyes. In other words, you're a clinical psychologist. You look at somebody in the eyes, and you say, my promise to you, is that you have my full support, you have my full attention, and we will work together until you are feeling better. If there's fire in your eyes when you say that, the patient is not buying your services, they're buying you. So the question is, do any of you have a fire in your eyes when it comes to a particular circumstance. It could be gardening, it could be psychoanalysis, it could be massage, whatever. People are being drawn into the fire in your eyes. It's electrical, it's it's energy. You're not selling a product. Have you ever thought about the Apple Store versus the Microsoft Store? go into a shopping center and take a look at these two stores. They're both selling top products. There's a difference in energy. It's almost like uh, the soul of Steve Jobs is going through these stores. Lines and lines. Uh, On a cold, miserable winter day, see how many people are lined up under the rain for the Samsung Galaxy. It's a great product. Tough competitor, it's it's a phone. The Samsung Galaxy is a very, very tough competitor of the iPhone. How many people are waiting in the rain for it? I was in Amsterdam, went to get a bagel first thing in the morning. People were getting drenched in fog and rain because the iPhone 7 was coming out. Spanda, spanda is an eternal movement. The spanda comes outward to create that's when it loses energy. It goes inward to go into silence. So according to the sutras, every time you go inward, you're gaining energy, and then you take that reservoir of energy, send it outward to create from inside out. But according to yoga, your inward stroke is what's charging you. So your challenge is to take some time every day to go inward to recharge. Inward stroke is called anmesa. Whenever any of you go inward, you're charging yourself. You go inward, charge yourself, go outward and heal people. Or do business, whatever. If you don't have a way of going inward, your your battery is getting drained. You have to find some way of going inward and recharging. Every time you go within, every time your gaze goes within, you're gaining energy. Every time your attention scatters outside, you're losing energy. So the formula is this. The formula of an enlightened person, you start with an inward stroke, you go to the outward stroke, inward stroke, outwards. That's as simple as life is. Meditate, act, meditate, act, meditate, act. Simple formula of life. Meditation has different forms. Some of you are in love with prayer. Same thing. Prayer, Wall Street, Prayer, Wall Street, Prayer, Wall Street. Life is a lot simpler than we think. We complicate life. What is the enlightened life? Believe that you made it. One in 300 million, you made it. Your life is here because of a purpose. It's not haphazard. It's not a small life. Every time you breathe, talk to that force. Let it come in. You've never been alone. And then show up at your job. Choose the job that makes sense to your heart. Show up. Breathe in the force. With the exhalation, act. The rest of it is none of your business. And if you teach that way, if you heal that way, your clients will love you because there's no ego. You become pure love. Final talk, the subatomic talk. Uh, The Shiva Sutras say that God has four phases. The God force has four phases of existence. Listen to this. The highest, rawest form or essence of God is called Ananda. Ananda means absolute stillness in bliss, the God force celebrating her own glory. So absolute stillness, quietude, deepest meditation is the closest you get to the essence of that throb. One step beyond that, uh, called Shiva, is God recognizes her own creative potential. So at first, the eyelids of of God are shut. Deep, deep meditation, samadhi, and pure bliss. There's no movement. Second, a little blink, and the God force recognizes that I am the one power. There's no other power. Every other power comes from this one power, Shiva. It means the God force wakes up to her own potential, that from within me, I can create anything. That's step two. Step three, Icha. Icha means the Lord decides to create matter out of energy. See, the Shiva Sutras say before creation happens, the God force decides and intends on creating. In other words, any one of you who made it one out of 300 million to that egg cell, there was willpower to live. So, itcha means willpower of the God force. Final stage, shakti, the God force moves and does something with the creative ability. Now, think of your private lives, same thing. You have four stages. Ananda. Ananda means at, in one millisecond, you're at complete rest. Complete rest. There's no movement. Like you're watching the fire in the fireplace and it's snowing outside, ananda. It's kind of blissful non-motion. Second, you're kind of moving your rocking chair and say, you know, there's a greater me about half a yard away. What if I pull on a piece of rope and I pull myself to that greater self? I just taught you an NLP exercise. Listen to this exercise. Close your eyes, imagine right here, there is a greater Rochelle, right here. So then you close your eyes, you pull on a rope until you move into that other Rochelle. When you move into her, you visualize greater money, greater self-potential, greater physical ability, greater intelligence, whatever. NLP works with visualizations that immediately impact you. What is this exercise? Can somebody tell me the exercise I just described? What do you do? Visualization. Yes. And what are you visualizing? The thing you want to become. Yes. But right now, I'll ask you a question. Is there a Rob right now that is stronger, potentially happier, can make money? So do you know that that Rob is there? Okay, so then what you do, you visualize that Rob this close, and then in your mind you start to pull on a rope and get yourself into the body of that Rob. When you get there, feel what it's like to be that Rob who already exists. How many of you know that this close to you? there's another self that already has all those skills and potentials. Already. In other words, this is not a motivational talk. How many of you know that already there is a greater self? So it's not a rah-rah talk. You know he's already there. So the question is, why don't we pull on that cord? NLP is a visualization thing. You pull yourself. And then when you go into the belly of that other Ram, sit there for a moment. What does it feel like to be in that other Ram? What does it feel like? In the wallet, in the emotions, in the love life, what does it feel like to be in that other Ram? That's the exercise. So four stages of the God force. Absolute bliss, non-movement, Ananda. Shiva, I wake up and I realize I have a greater self, potential. Next, Icha. What is it? Is it Nike that says, just do it? Yeah? The the just do it is Icha. In other words, the God force decides to create you one sperm cell out of 300 million. That's willpower. All of you are here because you will to live. Next, Shakti. Get out into the street and act. Questions about the talk this morning. Space is not dead. Spanda, the heart throb of God, the four stages of God, the kind of mind that manifests faster—it thinks a long time about one thing. It's emotional about that one thing. It is very focused on on that one thing, and it has faith that it is accessible. The electron only appears when the human wants to observe it. What does that mean? In the subatomic world you get to manifest what you want to see. There's no other reality. Every one of us is a spider living in our own saliva, in this room. Every one of us thinks that our reality is real, just like the spider. This is why the psychological portions of my teaching goes like this. An event happens to you, you create a perception of what just happened. You keep rehearsing that until that becomes your core belief, At the end you have you have an I told you so, you have a self-fulfilling prophecy. Every single person in this room is living in their own self fulfilling prophecy.